Pete. Morning, everyone. How are we? Uh, we're in 2 Timothy, um, starting a series, four weeks in 2 Timothy. We're doing one chapter a week across the next four weeks in February. And we've titled this series, Your Turn, in from 2 Timothy. So while you're finding 2 Timothy on your device or if you're still using paper. Uh, I had an interesting chat with a friend of mine uh, who's a pastor who said he, he can't break the paper habit. He has to have a paper Bible in front of him um, to be able to do. He's my age. And I thought, so it's not just an age thing because I'm... Um, just that I don't use paper usually anymore. Hands up if you still use a paper Bible for... Look at that. Wow. I do apologise. That's fantastic. Uh, I don't care how you get it into you, we've just got to have the Word, don't we? It can't grow without reflecting on the Word of God that way. Okay, your turn, Second Timothy. Uh, here's the phrase I want you to remember this morning. Fan into flames... The gift that God gave you. Paul's writing this letter. He's, this is the second letter to Timothy. Uh, Timothy's been in Ephesus. He's been looking after um, the church, um, leading the church in Ephesus, I don't know, maybe a decade or a little bit less. And about six years earlier, Paul wrote one Timothy with lots of instructions for the setup and appointment of leaders and that sort of thing. Um, now, Paul is at the end of his life. This is probably the last uh, instalment in the New Testament, the last letter that Paul wrote. Rather, the last letter that Paul wrote. He, he's, through this letter, we find out Paul's um, in, he's in a, a cell in a Roman prison. He's in chains. His trial is not going well. Uh, he expects to die. He thinks this is going to be the end. And so this is his last words to Timothy. Um, not long after we moved here to Warrigal, Dominic's mother, uh, had, she had bowel cancer and she was passing. It was her last few months as we arrived here, but she didn't ever lose her, uh, her awareness or her consciousness that way. So uh, even days before she passed, all of her kids and, step, uh, and her in-laws and grandkids filed in one by one to hear Nana's last words to them. I can tell you, it wouldn't have mattered what else was happening in the world at that point um, because no one was going to miss that. That's the kind of sense of this letter. I've got one hit here. I've got to, I've got to pass on what matters most to Timothy. He says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been sent to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy and peace. Every letter Paul wrote, every letter Paul wrote, he, he opened it with this, some sense of, may you get grace. May you have grace. I pray that you'd have grace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. 
Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears when we part, as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Timothy is third generation Christian. Um, grandma, mum, and now him. Go grandma, go mum. <laughs> and I've got to say this, if you're a single mum here today, be encouraged. Maybe you're raising a Timothy. A champion for the gospel. Stay strong and never let anyone tell you that God can't shine bright through you and your kids. Paul says, I know you, Timothy. I remember the faith that's in you. Now we get to the main point of this opening and indeed the core message of this letter. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. Now if you're reading from uh, an NASB or um, a more kind of literal translation, you'll see that the, the words there are, um, in the original, it's the gift of God. It's not the spiritual gift. When we see spiritual gifts, sometimes we think, oh, that's one of those supernatural things that God uniquely gifts people with, like tongues or prophecy or interpretation or discernment or something like that. And it may have included those things, but that's not what Paul's saying here. I, I remind you to fan into flames the gift that God gave you. It's bigger and more comprehensive than that, as we'll see as we go through. Uh, Paul wants him to fan it into flames. You understand this context. If you've ever tried to light a fire and it's not working too well and you've got to give it more oxygen, you blow on it gently, just a little bit. Um, and, then when, and, and even when coals are dark, you know, and the fire is smoldering and it's nearly out, if you can just get some oxygen into that environment. So he's saying, it's not that, it's not that Timothy's... It's not that Timothy's cold. It's not that he's gone out and he just needs, you know, and he needs relighting again. It's just got to be, just needs some oxygen. I invite you to feed the gift that God gave you. I invite you to just put some oxygen into that thing that God put in you, Timothy. And it's not just a one-off either. It's not like Timothy is just sort of drifted and he needs an injection like a... I get going again. It's a present continuous here. So Paul's literally... I, invite you to, I want you to keep fanning into flame the gift that God gave you. Over and over and over and over. I want you to put oxygen into this thing, Timothy. Can you just fan that gift of God inside you? Feed it until it's white hot and keep feeding it. So what is the gift of God that Timothy should fan into flame? Uh, let's have a look. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the, the spiritual gift, gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit, of, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. See what Paul's saying? This gift that God gave you, it isn't fear and timidity. It's unashamed courage to speak about Jesus. 
and readiness to suffer for the sake of the good news, or at least it results in unashamed courage to speak about Jesus and readiness to suffer for the good news. It says, when I laid my hands on you, in 1 Timothy 4, Paul wrote this, this is, don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. He might be referring to the same time. Some commentators equate these two um, things together. But um, certainly it carries the same message. There was a moment or moments in Timothy's journey where people laid hands on him and prophesied over his life and he was given a gift that would compel him and enable him to do the work that God intended for him to do. It's a big deal in Timothy's life. He's had some significant encounters with God. I'll ask you this. Have you ever had an encounter with God where, you, where you, it was unmistakably God and you knew your life would never be the same? Paul says, God gave you something. Fan that into flame. Revisit that. If you're walking with Jesus and you can't recall a big significant God moment in your life, I promise you there is certainly life and potential for the kingdom in you that the Holy Spirit has given you. And Paul says, fan it into flame. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power of love and self Disciplines so and never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me, Paul says, even though I'm in prison. And with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. So in, the, in this text, it's very clear, Paul's juxtaposing. He's got opposites here. So not fear and timidity. So don't be afraid, don't be timid. Don't be ashamed of the good news. And don't be ashamed of me who's suffering for the good news. And be ready to suffer for the good news. Um, So over here is ashamed of the good news, afraid, timid. Over here is fanning into flame the gift that God gave you, um, which is power, love, self-disciplined, unashamed declaration of Jesus, ready to suffer for the good news. That's what's happening in this as Paul um, puts it, and he further emphasizes it later on in the chapter. As you know, everyone from the pro- this is verse 15. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. Even those guys, figulous, homogenies, even those guys, like those guys that we used to respect, those guys that were really with us, everyone's gone. Even those guys have deserted me. But may the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. Paul says, Timothy, be ready to suffer. Just don't ever be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And this is why, verse 9, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show 
us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of this good news. Timothy, remember the reality that we know, Paul says. God's plan from the start was to show grace to people. Remember, he broke the power of death. He wants to give people life and immortality. He's made it plain for everyone to see because, look, look, Jesus came and everybody can see through the appearing of Jesus, our Savior. And I'm a messenger of this good news, verse 12. That's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul says, I know him, I've entrusted myself to him, he holds me forever. Now Paul goes into more instruction on how to feed the flames of God's gift and how to grow more unashamed. Verse 13, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you've learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that's been entrusted to you. Now, I want you to have a good look at that. And I want to work through this with you. Um, I know 2 Timothy reasonably well, but I saw something in here I hadn't seen before as I was preparing this. Because I was taught, and I kind of held to this view, that what Paul's talking about here is the, the apostolic um, truth of Jesus, the truth laid down by the apostles about the gospel. So Paul said, I've taught you the truth, Timothy. Now don't water it down. Like, hang on to it. It's precious. You, can, you don't compromise it. You don't change it. Um, and he's saying that, but he's saying way more than that. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by what? A pattern shaped by what? Memorizing the things that I've taught you? A pattern shaped by sticking to the letter of the law that I've taught you? No, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have, Timothy, that you have in Christ Jesus. Hold on to the pattern of teaching that you learned from me that'll be shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. What is it that we're passing on? What is Paul trying to encourage Timothy to... This is, remember, this is the most important thing that Paul could think to tell his young protege, to tell his son in the faith that way. What is it that we're passing on? We're passing on faith in Jesus Christ. Does God have grandchildren? You've probably heard that saying, God has no grandchildren. You can't give somebody else faith. You can't believe something because somebody else does you can't accept truth because somebody else um, told you. What are we passing on? We are introducing people to Jesus Christ. And, and they, are, they discover truth and they know life in as much as they are in relationship with him for themselves. 
Hold on to the pattern of teaching that you learned from me, shaped by your faith and love in Christ Jesus. It's like it when he says, you know, you had that, uh, your grandma and your mum, and now you, you third generation Christian, you, you, you've got the same faith that your grandma had, that your mum had, that you have, you share the same faith. He's just saying, they, what they did was, those ladies, they introduced you to relationship with God. And you share that with them. They have relationship with God. You have relationship with God. We, we praise God for our legacies. But what we're actually inviting people into is their own vibrant walk with God. Um, I think I told you this. Um, I baptised Zach Murphitt a few months ago. Some of you know Zach. Um, young guy, just such a big heart. Um, young adult, and such a big heart for the gospel. He had lots of his friends there. Um, there were Christians and some that weren't, and we're out in some freezing cold river because that's where he wanted to be. And we've got a warm baptistry here, but anyway. Um, um, he, said, I, he said these words, I used to think I had a boring testimony because my mum and dad are fantastic Christians and my grandparents are fantastic Christians. In fact, there's like quite a few generations of... Um, in fact, I think on his mum's side, I don't know if they could even trace how far back, um, like, you know fire-breathing Christians went, for want of a better term. Passionate Christians went. He said, I used to think that was uh, boring, and now I just praise God. I just praise God for that legacy in my life that has helped me to what? To know Christ. God doesn't have grandchildren. Paul is not saying to Timothy, repeat verbatim everything I've ever told you. He's saying, hold on to a pattern of faith and love in Jesus Christ and fan into flame that thing that God gave you that compels you to live unashamed for Jesus Christ. And carefully guard the precious truth that's been entrusted to you. It's the same thing. In this context, can you, can you see that it's the same thing? Timothy, God put something in you. I want you to fan it into flame. I want you to hold to the pattern that you learned from me, shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Guard that precious truth that's been put in you. Nurture your walk with God, Timothy. This is the one thing that Paul wants to communicate to his son. Nurture your walk with God. Feed it. Hold on to that pattern of faith and love, that pattern, that rhythm, that every day, that every week, behavior that you've just built into your life that you trust Jesus and then you trust Jesus and you trust Jesus more and you look to him 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 more and more and more then we'll have power and love and self-discipline and we'll never be ashamed of the good news it, it might have been a while. I've gone through periods in my life where I think, 
It's been a while since I fanned into flame the gift that God gave me. I don't know where you sit in that space because you can do Christian pretty comfortably. Um, it's getting less comfortable in our culture, but, but you still can. You can rock up here and, and you, can, you, know, you can do Christian. But in terms of just your raw heart connection with God, how sold out you really are to the kingdom of God. It might have been a while since you fanned that into flame. That, that gift that God gave you, his spirit inside you, his life poured into your heart. Maybe you used to be a little bit warmer than you are now. Maybe you used to fire a little more inside you. Uh, what happened? You know, did, did it just lose oxygen for you? It has for me from time to time. And I love the grace of God that he just invites us all the time and he invites us again this morning to, to reinvigorate, to, to drop the other stuff and go, okay, God, I want all you again. You've spoken to me before. You saved me. I used to be closer to you. Will you just fan that into flame in my life? And if you go, I don't know what you're talking about, Danny. I don't know if I'm fanning the flame of my relationship with God, of God's gift to me. Here's one way to tell. Am I ashamed to tell others about our Lord? Like there are lots of reasons we don't say Jesus out loud in company that don't know him, and some of them are good reasons. You know, Everything's in context of relationship. Um, to push that beyond the relational kind of space that you're in with someone is actually just a bit obnoxious, I think. Um, but you know in your own heart when you're just ashamed, when you care more for the regard of people in front of you than you do for the regard of your Father in heaven. Am I ashamed to tell others about our Lord? Am I ready to suffer for the good news? See, the people who deserted Paul, they were Christians, they were, they were, doing, the, they were doing the walk. But then when he had to go to prison and he was facing death, for whatever reason they've gone, oh, I'm not with him. Like, they were probably still doing the church thing, but I'm not with him. I'm not, we're different than Paul. He, he believes the weird stuff. We're, we're more friendly to the state, you know. That kind of dynamic there. Am I ready to suffer for the good news? In verse 12 we read, Paul says, I'm suffering, I'm here in prison, but I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know him. And I've entrusted myself and all my future 
to him. We're facing changing tides in Australia. And the good news is it's less and less accepted by our culture. Already many of us face the temptation to hide our relationship with Jesus lest we be ashamed. And that's only going to get more and more and more so in our culture that we live in. And I've got to tell you, there is no life in me. Danny, there is no life if I'm ashamed of Jesus. There is no life there. Jesus said that if we're ashamed of him before people, he'll be ashamed of us before his father. And no matter where our society goes, Jesus will continue to offer life and grace and immortality to all who trust him. Jesus will continue to call people like you and I to trust him and to fan our relationship with him into flame so we are unashamed to live and breathe the good news to others. So if you find yourself ashamed today, don't waste time beating yourself up or justifying why, as Eleanor led us in communion. Don't waste time. Just open your heart again to connection with God this morning and fan your relationship with him into flames. Paul says to Timothy, I'm nearly done here, son. Now it's your turn. And Timothy lived and died, but he passed the flame on. And every generation since has had people who open their hearts to the gift of God and burn bright for the salvation of their peers. And now it's my turn. And it's your turn. It's our turn. Let's pray. Jesus, we know you, we know you, and we know this life that you've given us. And we know the joy that there is in knowing you. I pray that you... Oh, that, that, I pray that you help us to open our hearts to you this morning, that we are able to receive what you have for us. So that the gift that you've given us of salvation, of life, of, of power and love and self-discipline, of courage... God, that that would be fanned into flame for us and that we would want to, that we would want to risk the scorn of our peers for the sake of the good news. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.